You're listening to the Elvis Ultimate Fan Channel Podcast, the channel that is devoted 100% to the life and career of the biggest selling recording artist of all time, with your host, Steve Francis. Hello and welcome once again to Elvis the Ultimate Fan Channel. Tish Henley Kirk was Elvis's private nurse from 1968 to 1977. Not only was he her patient, but a dear and close friend. She lived on the grounds of Elvis's Grayson home with her husband and two young daughters from 1972 until 1983, and often travelled with Elvis on tour. Tish joins me now to talk about her memories of Elvis. Hi Tish, and welcome to the show. Hello, and I'm happy to be on your show today. And I must say it's a great pleasure to talk to you. I just want to say a quick thanks to Lisa Lauren for putting us in touch with each other. Absolutely. Um, could you start maybe by telling our listeners uh, where you were born and raised? I was born in northwest Tennessee, up by Kentucky, uh, Union City, Tennessee, Obine County. Rural, well, country girl, great basketball player. Moved to Memphis in 1960 to go to Siena College. Followed that up with nursing training at St. Joseph Hospital. And uh, you always wanted to be a nurse, did you? It was always the, the only thing you wanted to do. I always wanted to be a nurse. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And I did that for 50 years. Wow. 50 years. 50 years at the same office, as a matter of fact. I actually nursed longer than that, but I was at the same office for 50 years. And where where were you uh, were you working in Memphis? Were you in Memphis, the medical group on Madison Avenue? Dr. George Nicopolis was one of twelve different uh, partners there: internal medicine and cardiology. Yeah, well, all, all um, all well, nearly all Elvis fans will be familiar with uh, Dr. Nick. So obviously, uh, you had a uh, a very uh, famous patient uh, visit uh, Dr. Nick's offices one day. Yes, we did. In fact, the first time when he became our patient, he had just bought the ranch. And George Klein, who you know was a DJ here in Memphis and was dating our receptionist at the front desk, and Elvis had bought six trucks and six saddles and six horses. So all day long he'd been riding a horse, you know, like a kid. I had to wear the new off the toy. <laughs> and he called George, and he said, I've got a sore butt. I've got to have a doctor. So George called his friend Barbara at the front desk, and she made a poll in the office to see if anybody would go down to the ranch and see him. Dr. Nick said, I'll be happy to go see him, but I'll have to go after, you know, clinic hours. And he did, and he took care of his sore butt. And then two or three weeks after that, Elvis had another medical issue, and he called Dr. Nick, and Dr. Nick said, well, I'm a partner with these other doctors and said, you know, I'll be happy to see you as a patient, but you're going to have to become an established patient. I did you a, a favor by coming down and treating you at the ranch. So, of course, after our clinic closed at 530, we kept the clinic closed and Elvis come in. And I was in uh, the room, A1, I still clearly remember. Elvis was sitting in a chair in the corner and we were, you know, chit-chatting as I was taking his medical history and everything. Mm-hmm. And he was sitting in the chair, and he kept looking down at his knees. And, hey, I was just a young country girl at that time. And I just walked over to him and took him by his chin and pulled his head up. I said, Elvis, if you talk to me, you look at me. <laughs> so I went on with my assessment. And as I'm leaving the room, 
I got a page to go to Dr. Nikopoulos' office, and I thought, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I said, I'm fired for saying what I said. Yeah. So anyway, I knocked on Dr. Nick's door. I said, you page me, sir? Yeah. What'd you say to Elvis? I thought, well, that doesn't sound good either. <laughs> so I opened the door, and he said, what did you say to Elvis? And I said, I told him what I said. He looked up at me, and he said, he likes you. That was that was as pretty a music as Elvis has ever played in my ears at that time. Yeah, because you thought you were going to get fired. That's how we I thought I was going to be, yes. So you were saying that Elvis was sort of looking down all the time when he was talking to you. Elvis was a very shy person away from the limelight when he wasn't on stage or doing a movie or whatever. He must have been a very shy fella. He was really shy until he got to know you. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was, was very shy until he got to know you. Uh, and th- those were your first impressions of him then, sort of a, a shy, humble country boy, if you like. Yes. And uh, you know, I don't know him as a fan from, you know, his music. But uh, to meet him in person, it was just, um, he was just a, a shy, a shy Elvis Presley. Yeah. Uh, a, a few fans have always asked me to people when I'm speaking to people that knew him or met him they've always asked me to say well you should ask them you know what was he like what you know up close was he really as good looking as he was uh, in the movies and, 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 and films and so forth um, you know or was he better looking than, than what you see in pictures he was good looking all over let me just tell you that <laughs> he, he, he was just gorgeous God um, God made only one Elvis in my in my view. Oh, in my view as well. Yeah, I always say there's there's I mean, only one just, Elvis. I don't think there. I, I don't think there'll ever be anybody. They can try all they want to, and there are some of these impersonators or whatever they want to call themselves that are good and that has got a talent. But um, I'm sorry, they'll never capture that because that was God given in all. In all in all aspects of it, as far as I'm concerned, yeah, his personality, his singing ability, his performing ability was just God given, and uh, he hadn't given it to anybody else that I know of yet. Yeah, I agree with you 100 percent. That uh, Tish. Uh, so, what happened afterwards after that initial first meeting? Where did it go from there? Well, after that initial first meeting, there were several times when he would have an issue, and instead of closing the clinic and bringing him in, either Dr. Nick and I would go out to Graceland and take care of whatever the sore throat or rash or pain in his foot or whatever it was, we'd go out there. So he and I became real close because he grew up poor, I grew up poor, so we could relate you know, on so many different levels. And we just we we just had a we had a, a bond, a meeting bond that was just uh, kind of hard to explain. I mean, you just it was just a closeness that was everlasting. And so then Elvis found out that I had two daughters. We lived about 21 miles away from Graceland, about 21 miles away from the medical group. So when Lisa would come in town, I would get off from work, drive home, get the girls go to Graceland, let them play with Lisa till 9 o'clock, then drive back home. So Elvis kept talking. We had just built a new home in 71. We had rented all of our married life. So Elvis kept talking about, well, my nickname for him was Tishina. That's another cute story because (laughs) 
when he started calling me Tushina, I said, Elvis, I'm not a pole dancer. I don't like that name. That sounds like a pole dancer. <laughs> it does, yeah. So he, never let, he, he, he never let me get over that. <laughs> so, But I, I told Elvis, I said, Elvis, I'm not moving down here in a uh, mobile home. I, and I ate these words. I said, I'm not going to be trailer trash for you or anybody. <laughs> well, then in 72, my husband was, had formerly been a police officer. And then he started doing construction work, uh, commercial construction work. And at that time, the bottom fell out of the economy and work was really slim. So we were basically living on my salary. And, of course, back then, nurses didn't make that much. And that was, he just kept on and he kept on and he kept on. And I just kept saying, you know, no, we just built this house. I'm not taking my children out of their church and school. No, 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 no. So I never will forget, I came home one day from work, and my husband was sitting at the bar in the kitchen. And he said, babe, sit down. i got to talk to you about something. And I thought, oh, God, what is it now? <laughs> and he says, well, i got a job today. Man, I, my face lightened up. And he said, but uh, it's it's going to well, I'm I'm going to have to be doing some traveling. And I thought, well, you know, that's not bad. He's probably going to be in sales or something. And he said, no. He said, Elvis hired me today, but we've got to move to Graceland. <laughs> so Elvis had his way. He'd gone behind my back and hired my husband, but we had to live on the grounds of Graceland. So my husband was going to work security when he was on. When I wasn't on tour, my husband would be on tour doing security. And the rest of the time, he was taking care of us cars and the grounds with Earl Pritchett at Graceland. And that was a that was a, a transition that was really difficult because I had two young girls. I'm moving them away from their church, away from their school, away from their friends, into an area where they're not in a community. So they're not going to be able to play in the neighborhood like other kids. So it was um, it was a big adjustment. But I'm so very happy that that we made that change because it changed our lives forever. Hmm. So 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 I always told Elvis that song, the song My Way fit him properly because he got his way. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure Elvis could be very persuasive. He could. Um, and, And obviously, you know, I mean, I don't mean this in the wrong way, but I'm sure he was used to getting his own way as well, you know, because that, you know, that was Elvis. It was, I'm sure it was very hard to say no to Elvis. You had to do it, um, gently. Yeah. I was very blessed. He and I never had a, he had a temper. Now he had a very volatile temper, but I was very blessed all those years that he and I never, as they say, crossed hairs. Yeah. Yeah. He respected my he respected my profession, and um, he he didn't challenge me. Well, we we know we know from from people telling us that you know he, he had great respect for for women and great respect for people in general. Um, yes, but he yes I I I have heard him actually on interviews say that he had a temper. You know he 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 didn't he didn't fly off the handle quickly, but when he did lose his temper, he, he, I remember him saying in an interview once, it could be quite bad. Oh, yes, absolutely. Well, everybody has a he, breaking he point. Absolutely. And we're all human beings. Yeah, exactly. Yes, Elvis included. I think that's what some people forget sometimes, absolutely. that, you know, he was some sort of supernatural human being, but he wasn't. He was just a human right. being. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so you moved into Graceland. Was it, was it uh, behind Graceland or actually in the mansion? 
it's back behind Graceland in a double wide mobile home. Yeah. There were three of them in the back back there. Yeah. What you were obviously touring with Elvis as well, uh, live shows and yes. and and Las Vegas and things like that. Was that fun or was yes. it tiring? I'm sure it was exciting. Well, to, to be honest with you, the only time that I'm going to say it was fun was when we were in Vegas or Tahoe, because there you had like usually seven to ten days, so you could unpack your suitcase, sleep in the same bed more than one night. You could get out and do a few things during the day. And when you were on the road, I don't really know how he did it as many years as he did because I told him one time, I said, I feel like a cow going to market because you would do a show. After the show, they'd load you on the bus or the limousines, take you to the airport, you'd get on the plane, fly to another city, unload everything, get in your room, sleep, get up, do another show. On the weekends, you'd usually have a Friday night and a Saturday show. But, I mean, sometimes I would call my children and wouldn't even know what city or state I'm in. Mm. And I'd never done a drug in my life because, I mean, you just, you herded around and it's just rush, 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 rush. So it was, it was very, very tiring work. Yeah, it must have been quite confusing for Elvis as well, because I've heard him on live shows say, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. And then he sort of turns to the band and says, it is afternoon, isn't it? So he must have kind of lost yeah. uh, lost track of what day it was and what city it was and so forth. So, well, you uh, did, because you were so isolating. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He'd sort of go from hotel to limo to the stage and then right. reverse it back, reverse it back. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but th- th- there must have been good times uh, on the road and in Vegas as well. Oh, lots of good times. Lots yeah. of good times. Yeah. And uh, he had he had a great sense of humor as well. He he, he was a great prankster, wasn't he? He, he liked, really, he was. He, he liked was. He liked playing practical jokes. Absolutely. He absolutely did. Um, I took all of my all of my vacation and traveled with him, so we had our first family vacation in 1978. So, because Dr. Nick and I, you know, Dr. Nick could not be out of the office as many times as Elvis would be on tour or on the road, you know, because he had a practice he had to fulfill. So uh, we would alternate tours. Um, let, let, let me ask you a little bit about the, the people around Elvis. Um, uh, Priscilla and Lisa Marie and, and, and Vernon, uh, what what sort of relationship did you have, say, with Priscilla and Lisa and Vernon? Uh, Priscilla and I had a good relationship. She wasn't around much longer than when I got there. I moved there in 72. Mm. But we had, we had a few good times at Graceland, and then, you know, I still talk to her occasionally and see her sometimes when she's here. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Lisa was like one of my children the whole time we lived there because, you know, she was with my two daughters and her cousins, so she was in and out like my kids, you know. And even after Elvis died, she still would come back some, Hmm. you know, and visit. But as she got older, that got, you know, few and far between. And Vernon. Yeah, Vernon, yeah. Vernon was a very, um, he was very gentlemanly, but he was a very selfish man. He um, he was, in my opinion, he was jealous of anything that Elvis gave to anybody, unless he was giving it to him. Mm. But he never did he never did um, cross the boundary line to say anything to Elvis about it. He would to other people, but he never 
he was smarter. He was smart enough, Daddy, not to challenge his son. Because I suppose, in a way, um, Vernon was an employee. I mean, I know he was Elvis's father and obviously right. like that. But at the end of the day, it was Elvis's money. And I'm sure Elvis would have said to Vernon, look, Daddy, it's my money. I can do with it what I want. Oh, in, a, in an instant. In an instant. Yeah. And I've, I mean, I, you know, we've got to go back and relate. Vernon, Vernon was an employee yet. But so many of the decisions, of course, were made by the attorneys because uh, Vernon only had like a third grade education. Hmm. So he wasn't, you know, didn't have an education enough to uh, run the show, run the business, so to speak. Yeah, I, I've heard from other people that Vernon worried constantly that they would lose everything as well. So yep. he yep. constantly worried about that. Yep. But Elvis had sort of a very yep. sort of frivolous uh, attitude to uh, money. Uh, he, he almost said to his, his father, look, uh, if we run short of money, I'll just do another 10 extra concerts, <laughs> something right. like that. You obviously had uh, private talks and long talks with Elvis, just you and him at times, when he wanted somebody to talk to and to keep him company. Did he ever mention anything about the uh, Elvis What Happened book that the uh, Red, Sonny and Dave wrote? Yes, he did. He, that, that, um, that really played on Elvis's mind and soul. It, very, it upset him tremendously, and he never got over that. You know, he just uh, had been so close with those guys and felt like that their relationship was deeper than to do something like that. So he was very, very troubled by that. Very troubled. Right. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you that because um, there are differing sort of people were saying, you know, it made no difference to him whatsoever. He couldn't care. Absolutely. To his dying day, it had an effect on him. I can trust me. It did. Hmm. Did you ever meet the colonel, Colonel Parker? Yes. Yeah, I can tell you a funny story about the colonel. Please we do. We didn't see the colonel. We didn't see the colonel that much. Anytime we were in Vegas, we absolutely would see him, or in Tahoe. So he came in one time in Vegas, and Elvis had gotten dressed. And we were ready, getting ready to go downstairs to do the show, and it was hilarious. The colonel came in. He had his cigar in his mouth, and he walked over behind Elvis and put his arm on his shoulder. Now, son, with that cigar in his mouth, now, son, they talked for a few minutes. Now, I want you to be really careful now on this tour on giving these scarves out. They've gone up, and I don't remember if he said 10 cents, 25 cents. Anyway, it had gone up a few pennies. So just, just be gentle about throwing, you know, about giving the scarves out. Elvis never said a word. The colonel left. He told Charlie, Go get me two cases of scarves. It was hilarious. Elvis looked like a kid throwing out white popcorn. He threw out so many scarves that night. He didn't say a word of rebuttal to the colonel, but he got him back by throwing those scarves out. And I told him, I said, you know, you really were a butt. I said, you got up there, and I said, you look like somebody throwing popcorn out in the audience, throwing out all those white scarves. And he just grinned. But, you know. Yeah, he knew what he it's was doing. My scarf, it's my show. I'll do what I want to. So take this, Colonel. <laughs> he knew what he was doing all right, didn't he? The Colonel Absolutely. probably the, the, the Colonel Absolutely. probably the Colonel probably would have been better off not saying anything. <laughs> not saying anything. You're exactly right. Exactly right. But Elvis had a sense of humor that was just unbelievable. He uh, and he would do just I'll tell you a thing we were in, in Oklahoma City. 
and he liked to talk about medical things and he talked about you know spiritual things but we're in Oklahoma City and we got to talking about medical issues and so I was telling him about this little girl that I helped and I assist with having some surgery she was drinking uh, a Coca-Cola and she poured peanuts in it and she took a big swallow of it and she aspirated a peanut in her lung so we were doing surgery to get the peanut out of the lung and this was like two o'clock in the morning in Oklahoma City and he said Tishina, I haven't had Coke and peanuts in years. <laughs> well, guess what? They didn't have any bottled Cokes and peanuts in the hotel. So at 3 o'clock in the morning, he put my butt in a taxi cab to drive around until we found the bottled Coke and peanuts. <laughs> and we did find the bottled Coke and peanuts. <laughs> That's just the way he was. I can tell you another peanut story. It's a different kind of peanut. Okay. We lived in one trailer, and Danny, and I mean Joey and... And Joe and Danny, Billy and Joe's two sons, they lived in another trailer. His Aunt Nash, who was a minister, and her husband Earl lived in the other trailer. And Elvis had been down to our trailer, and we had a swing in the front yard, and we were sitting out in the middle, middle swing. And so Elvis stands up, and she's getting ready to walk back to the house. And they had this dog named Peanut, ugliest little dog you ever want to see. Real frou-frou, ugly little dog. <laughs> Little dog come up and hiked his leg and peed on Elvis. <laughs> Elvis had on a pair of warm-up pants that snapped down the sides. Remember those? Yeah, I do, on yeah. Stage. And it had the snaps all down the side. And so Elvis pulled the pants out, and he said, Tishina, this dog just pissed on me. What am I going to do? And I said, well, you can't take your pants off because you didn't wear underpants. I said, Aunt Nash would see your naked butt. <laughs> so I don't know what you do. He said, I know what. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix that dog. That dog's not going to piss on anybody else. Go in the house and get me a knife. I'm going to cut his balls out. <laughs> it's time out. I'm out. You can cut his balls out all day long, but he can still piss on you. <laughs> so Elvis, Elvis got pissed on. <laughs> That's a great story. That's a great story. It really is. I'd say, I'd say you have so many stories. You, you should, I, know, I, I know you've written a book, and we'll come to that at the end, but you, you, there's probably at least another book in it, out of it, I would imagine. Well, it is because, you know, I stayed in the Elvis closet for about 40 years because I just, he was my patient, he was my dear friend, and I just couldn't, didn't have any desire to do anything. And a friend of mine from the U.K., he kept every year, he would do an event in the Dolan House every year. Please, Tish, please come to the event. Hmm. So finally one year I said, okay, I will go to your event, but I'm going to be the church mouth. But that's when I had, had my eyes open to the, the hunger the fans had to know about the person. And I thought, you know, you're 70 years old. You need to get off of your butt and take some notes. And it was an emotional journey because it brought back good, bad, and indifferent memories. And uh, then after I got my book wrote, my sister-in-law helped me with my manuscript. I couldn't find anybody to publish it because they all want me to have a ghostwriter. And I said, no, I'm not having somebody write my book that never met the man, mm. didn't know the man, put five or 600 pages of crap in a book. No. So I just kind of put it away for a while. And I was sitting here one night looking at a cookbook, and so it had a publisher that's about maybe 10 miles from here and I thought well I'll call him and see if he knows somebody you know that might do it 
And I called, and the guy, they put the vice president on the phone. And so he was asking me all these questions. And come to find out, when he was 18 years old, his parents, he Elvis died when he was 18. His parents were EMTs in another community, and they had was bringing ambulances because people were dropping out in the yard like flies. It was, it was horrific. Mm. And he said, well, let me tell you my story. My dad called me and told me he had to have another ambulance. And he said, I was out of school with an upset stomach, and I pulled in the gates of Graceland, and I passed out. Mm. And they had to take me to the hospital and give me some IVs. He said, you and your husband be at my office tomorrow at 11 o'clock. So we went over there, and he looked at my manuscript, and he said, well, this is wonderful. All we've got to do is shoot it because I had my pictures, you know, along with it. Yeah. So that's how it all came about. He became a dear friend. Oh, for yeah. about three or four years after Elvis died, there were some guys with ABC that hunted me down like a hunting dog. They would block my car in at work. They would sit in the waiting room, wow. try to follow me to get a story, but I would not do it. So it worked out. It worked out right. Wow, but that, that was quite aggressive, what they were doing, blocking your car in and, and, and coming to your house oh, and things like that. Oh, it was, oh they'd, they'd try to block me in. I could go in the front gate or the back gate either, and I was going to work one morning. They had their equipment set up in the, in the right, the, right past the gates there at Graceland. And I was kind of ugly because the guy he came over to the car, and I said, look, let me tell you something. I live here. This is my private drive. You don't have a white stick, so obviously you're not blind. If you're in my driveway in the morning, I will not hit my brakes. Wow. So they didn't get my driveway the next morning. I mean, it was, you know, I'd had enough. Yeah, well, it, it was something that had to be said, you know, I mean, uh, and, and well said as well. You did the right thing. Um, can you, are you prepared to discuss the the last uh, couple of days uh, of Elvis's life and the day of his death? Well, I had um, I had just recently had some surgery, so the last about the last six weeks of Elvis's life, I was not able to go up and down the stairs to to assist him that much. But the last the day before, he was, you know, he would always get anxious when it's time to go on the road because mm. he would always sit and get and gain weight, so he wanted to get the weight off. And uh, but he was he was in a good mood. He did have a dental problem. But the last time I talked to him, he was, you know, still thinking I should go on the road with him. Could not. And uh, he was just normal Elvis. You know, there's some people say, oh, he was he was all depressed and all that. No, he was not. He was just the normal Elvis, apprehensive, because he always got nervous before he went out on the stage. I never understood that. Somebody had to push him, that first little push, and then he's on. Mm. But he couldn't make that first step. It was just a. Uh, but no, he was a. Uh, and then, of course, that I was at work. That was my first day back to work after my surgery. My husband called me and said, "Baby, you need to get home. There's an emergency." Well, I'm thinking it's burning because Bernard was having some heart problems. Mm. Didn't have any idea it was going to be Elvis. So fortunately, I did not know till I got home. You know what it was, but that was the most unbelievable time you've never seen the like of people and of course the temperature was so extremely hot people were passing out and um, it was almost like some big 
ship came over and just dropped thousands of people out at Graceland. Mm. It was unbelievable. Mm. Mm. It's a day. It's a day I'll never forget. A lot of a lot has been written and said about Elvis's um, health issues in the last few years of his life, and the people are always making so much about the medication he was taking. Now, personally, I mean, I have to take medication myself. The point I'm making is, is uh, you know. He was just like everybody else who had health issues and had to take prescription drugs to control them. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you know, so so much has been written about. You know, he 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 took too much medication, and he didn't need this medication. But he he had health issues that needed prescription medication. Right, and unfortunately, in addition to that, he took other drugs that. Uh, it was just it uh, me being in the field of medicine. One thing that really troubled me and still does to this day is how many people in the medical profession would try to come up and give one of the guys a sack of, quote, medications, this new drug that was going to make Elvis wonderful, and give them to them to get to Elvis. Hmm. Now, you're in the medical profession. You have no idea what he's taking, what his doctor's giving him, hmm. and you're going to give him a sack with some pills of God only knows what in it to get a ticket to the show. And I never, I, I, you know, that's just about the lowest kind of, of a practicing physician I think that, that can be. And somebody comes up and gives you a sack of drugs that's going to really change your life and all this, having no idea what you're already taking. Yeah, I mean, doc, Dr. Nick was, was up against it in some ways because he was there and he was making sure that Elvis was getting the drugs he needed in the right sort of quantities and so forth. And then these people were coming along and sort of, they were, uh, right. uh, you know, making a mess of it. He, he, was, he, was, he was making sure that Elvis was getting what he needed and the right quantities. And then they were, they were making trouble. And unfortunately, there were the guys that, that worked for Elvis that were doing the same thing. That you know that would they thought that would make them get a better car or get more money or you know so it was uh and it it was tough for us to uh, to try to manage I'll tell you that. But unfortunately, um, after Elvis's death, um, Doctor Nick by some was painted as the bad guy, even though he was the one that was, was. just trying to control it all. Um, so there's always been a big injustice. I felt against Doctor Nick. Absolutely, absolutely, one hundred percent correct. You, many, many times we saved Elvis Presley's life. Uh, what you, you, you when when you were on the road and so forth, right? And at Graceland. Mm. And p- people either don't want to hear that or don't know that. So I'm glad right. I, I'm glad you've you, you've put that in the interview. So um, Elvis, unfortunately passed away on the 16th of August, 1977, from uh, a heart attack. Brought Cardiomyopathy, on. yes. Yeah. Now, yes. I, 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 as far as I know, uh, both the Presley family and the Smith family had heart problems. Yeah, absolutely. A history of heart problems. Um, absolutely. All of them. Now, uh, as, you, as, you, as we, we, we touched on earlier, uh, Elvis was... Uh, he 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 did a lot of touring and hard work and so forth in in the seventies, which would have taken a toll on his health. 
Uh, now, 42 was still quite a young age to die. Do you think that probably his, his lifestyle and uh, his genes and so forth sort of added up to the, the premature death, do you think? Absolutely. And let me just throw in one thing. You know, he was on blood pressure medicine. He was on, he was on lots of prescription medication. One night, I don't know where we were, but I was helping him get his jumpsuit off. And that thing was so darn heavy. So we waited before he went on stage one night. When he came off of stage, it weighed eight pounds more than when he went on stage. So you think of the trauma to the body of the, losing your electrolytes with eight pounds of fluid coming off of you in a performance of about an hour or 45 minutes. Mm. Yeah. So that's pretty, that was pretty significant. D- um, he had colon problems as well, didn't he? Oh, yes, he did. Was that something from birth? Was that something from birth, or was it uh, just from his diet, or, or or some of the medications he had I to take? I think it was probably a combination. There there was a lot of problems with uh, with people having severe constipation in his family, hmm. which he had. Plus, Elvis had what's called a mega colon. His colon was about four times the size of a, a normal colon. I heard Lisa Marie uh, say to Oprah Winfrey that she suffers with the same sort of ailment as well, slow transit of the uh, intestinal tract. So it could be it could be inherited. Yes, it is. So that's that's unfortunate. And there's a new book out. Have you heard about it? Uh, Destined d- to Die Young. Yes, Destined to Die Young. Have you read that? I have not read that because I just got it. I know the girl. I met the girl and, and talked with her quite a bit. And I, I think she's mentioned me a few times in the book, but uh, she went really deep into the family history and all the DNA. Uh, we're, we've got a country place. We're going up there the latter part of this week, so I'm taking it with me and hopefully I can read it there because I've been so tied up with getting my friend off to Florida that I have not had a chance to read it. But I'm very excited to read it because she's really touched on a lot of those uh, partner health issues. Yeah, I actually spoke to Sally a few months ago when just before the the book was published, uh, and it was it's available mm-hmm. it's available on this channel as well. So yeah, I mean it, it it is it's a fascinating read. I mean there there are people who say no, it's it's you know it's completely wrong, and then there's other people that say well this you know this could be this could be something this could be something, but I won't spoil it for you. I'll let you <laughs> I'll let you read it. Okay. Um, you you went to the funeral obviously oh, at, yes. at, at Graceland and. Uh, Obviously, it was a very, uh, a very emotional time. After Elvis died, did you continue to live at Graceland, or, or did you leave Graceland fairly yes, soon we after? Yes, no, we lived, we lived there till '83. Right. So, my husband, my husband kept working, and then I would, you know, was taking care of uh, Vernon. Mm. Because so, uh, because Vernon had had uh, Vernon had heart trouble. You mentioned that earlier. In fact, I think Vernon right. had a. I think he had a heart attack in seventy five. I didn't. I think didn't he? Yes, he did. In yes. fact, in fa- I think uh, him and Elvis were in the hospital at the same time. They were so seventy five. That, that must have been a, a very troubling time for both of them. Yes, it was. Uh, so what, what's what's your life been after Elvis? You continued nursing after nineteen eighty three. I continued nursing. I didn't retire until. I guess 13 years ago when I remarried, I just kept working and had I not remarried. I have worked at the same office for 50 years and uh, loved every day of it. They always say if you do a job you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Right. That's true. Yeah. I loved it. I really did. It was, 
I was very fortunate that I got hired in a good big practice, and uh, I, I loved it. And what what do you do with yourself now? Just take it easy. I'm sure you've earned it. Well, no, you know, since I've done my book, I've done a lot of traveling, promoting my book. And then we have an event in August and an event in January. And so I go to those events and sell my book, and I have pictures that I have there. And um, then I've been very blessed. I was a friend of Laurel Hayes. That was his jeweler, so I've got a lot of his jewelry, that plated jewelry, it's not 14 karat, that he has made out of the same molds from Elvis you know, for the fans. and But I get to, when I traveled with Elvis, I did not get to meet the fans because I was on the other side of the fence, so to say. Yeah. Now I'm getting to meet the fans, and it's absolutely, it's wonderful to meet them and to share some Elvis with them. And I feel like that's exactly what Elvis would want me to be doing. Abs- if not, I would not do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sure you knew before, uh, you know, when you were with Elvis, you, you knew how much the fans loved him. But when you meet them as oh, well, yes. it's it's reinforced. You just know how much Absolutely. his fans. Uh, I always say Elvis fans are the best fans in the world. I, I mean, I, I'm probably biased because I'm a huge Elvis fan, obviously. But uh, I, I always say we're the best fans in the world, without a doubt. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what's amazing is, is that there's so many of the fans that have become such close friends. I call it like the Elvis family. Yeah. But there's so many of these fans that were not even born when Elvis died that are just so engrossed in him and know so much about him that it just amazes me. Yeah. He, he Elvis thought, would never believe that. No, he, he, thought he'd he'd be, he thought he'd be forgotten in a couple of years. We yeah. were watching TV one night. Someone really famous, I do not recall who it was, died. And Elvis got really, really, really quiet. And after a few minutes, I said, Elvis, why is that bothering you so? He said, you know, Tishina, when I've been dead and gone five or ten years, they'll say Elvis who. So on his 40th anniversary, I went out in my backyard. I pointed up the sky and I said, okay, sucker, if you can hear me, you look down at Graceland now and you say Elvis who. Exactly, yeah. Four, it's just it's just unbelievable. Forty three, forty four years after he's gone, and and you know he's he's as big now as he was when he was alive. I mean, they're, 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 they're yeah. I mean, they're, yeah. they're making they're filming a, a movie now in Australia as we speak about him, uh, starring Tom Hanks and Austin Butler. Yeah. So huge, huge, yeah, ab- absolutely huge. Uh, I mean, and I mean, when you look at Graceland today, I mean, six hundred thousand people visit Graceland per yeah. year it's absolutely phenomenal there's the big hotel that was built the guest house there's the big complex uh, across the road it's just huge right. it's huge I, I, I wonder what I do wonder what Elvis would think of it all if he's looking down now you know he, he couldn't believe it he really would not believe it yeah he'd just be shaking his head wouldn't he and saying man yep, you know would be saying, mm-hmm. the the book is called uh, taking care of elvis memories with elvis right. as his private nurse and friend and uh, it's available is, is it available through you it's available through me and it's available through amazon yes that's right i was looking at it on amazon actually yes so how how do people how do people get one through you is it just when when they visit uh, at the fan events well, at the events, and anybody, it's so expensive to send it across the pond. Mm. You know, I mean, I have done that some, but it's just, it's cost almost as much to send the book as the book itself. Yes. The book I sell for $30. Mm-hmm. And it's just, uh, it's at least 25 to $27 to, 
to ship one. It's just it, it's doing real well, and I've got really good feedback with it. It just makes me happy that people are getting to learn more about Elvis, and um, you know, he's such a, such a special guy. He certainly was. Certainly I have, was. I have to tell I have to tell you one of my probably one of most most prized memories I have with Elvis. He was not real good about keeping secrets, so he calmed me down one afternoon. Now I've worked all day long, so he calmed me down one afternoon, and he said, "Tissue, not you know I can't keep a secret. He's got to tell you." He said, "I bought you a car today." <laughs> well, at that time I had an Oldsmobile station wagon. And I said, "Elvis," because I mean I had used that taking Durban Don on lease all these places. I said, Elvis, that's really, really kind of you, but I said, I've got all I need right now. And he said, no, he said, I, I got you a black Cadillac. I said, look, I'm a nurse. I'm not a Cadillac person. I appreciate it, but no, please not. Please don't. No, I can't drive a Cadillac in Midtown Memphis anyway. So anyway, after that little argument was over, about two weeks after that, he called me down to come to the dining room. Well, usually when you went to the dining room, he was going to tell you about somebody that had gotten fired or somebody he had hired, introduce you to them. So I've worked all day, and I go down to the dining room. There was about three or four of the guys sitting in there. So I walked over. He was standing at the head of the dining room table and put his arm around me. He said, now, guys, I wanted y'all in here because I wanted to tell y'all something. He said, now, this little old girl's worked for me X number of years, and she's never, and he held up a nickel. She's never asked me for one nickel. That's why she's getting the car parked in front of the house. And I thought, oh, no, he did not go by that Cadillac. <laughs> but he, he told Charlie, he said, go get me the police light, the blue light, which was the police light. So he came down with the police light. So we walked out the front door. So he got me a black-on-black Grand Prix Pontiac, beautiful car. It's hysterical. He said, but now I've got to drive it first to make, every, make sure everything works fine for you. So Elvis knew two speeds, zero and as fast as it'll go on anything. <laughs> so we get in the car and we're flying. I'm thinking, I'm never going to drive this car. I'll, he's going to kill us. I'll never drive this car. So it was so hysterical because in the traffic, everybody kept flashing their lights at us. So Elvis was stomping the floor. I don't know how old you are, but back years ago, the dimmer switch was in the floorboard, yes. the left-hand corner, and you had to step on that to dim your lights. And he's stomping and stomping on the floor. Well, we're going to have to take this car back. It's, it's, it's got a malfunction. It don't have a dimmer switch in it. And I said, I think we need to pull over and read the manual. That was the year they put it on the column. Oh, yeah. So he threatened me. If I told anybody about that, he'd kick my butt. <laughs> so that was kind of hysterical that he's stomping the floorboard out of the car. Yeah, my, my, my first car uh, had, a, uh, had a little uh, chrome button on the floor that you had to push. Yeah. You click it once and it would dip the lights, click it again and it would go to head beam right. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Very funny story. Yeah. Very funny. Uh, I would I would imagine that you could talk about Elvis for weeks and weeks and weeks. It must be great to be in your company and you tell all these stories about Elvis. It must really be great. Yeah, I was very, very blessed that we were very close and I got to share some very, very special time. I'm sure... Time I'm, I'm sure you miss him to this day, as we all do. Absolutely. He's, Absolutely. He's, he's ir irreplaceable, that's for sure. Okay, uh, Tish, it's been, it's been really, really lovely talking to you. It really has, and I've enjoyed these stories. Uh, and I would, recommend, yeah. I would recommend that they, 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 uh, 
they go on to Amazon and get that book, Taking Care of Elvis, Memories with Elvis as His Private Nurse and Friend. And when we do get chance to ha have get-togethers again uh, and they see you, then they can buy your book and get it from you in person. And you'll, and you'll sign it for them, I'm sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, thanks. Absolutely. Thank you very much for your time. I, okay. I, I got a, a okay. big, a big kick talking to you, and I'm sure the listeners uh, have got a big kick out of listening to you as well. Thank you very, very much. Well, sure. You know, I'm all about, I'm all about letting the fans get an education. You know, I was blessed to spend so much quality time with him, and uh, so I'm happy to share. Thank you. I, I appreciate you talking to me. Thank you very, very Thanks. much indeed. And uh, you and all your family, please take care in these troubled times. Okay. Take care, Tish. Okay, well, Thank you have you. a good day. You, you too. Right. Bye-bye. 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 Thanks once again to Tish for joining me on the show today. You can contact me by email at Elvis, the ultimate fan channel, at gmail.com. And you can also find me on Facebook and Twitter. Don't forget to check out all my other Elvis-related interviews on this channel. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, look after yourselves, and I hope you'll join me next time for another episode from Elvis, the Ultimate Fan Channel podcast. Mm -hmm.